Christ by the will of God according to the promise. The word according is the word kata, K-A-T-A. It gives the idea of dominance, a pressing down. So now let's read it like this. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life, by the dominance of a promise that's upon Paul through God's will. In other words here, with the promise comes the provision. And Paul is saying, God isn't going to call me and then send me out and I'm ill-equipped. He says, he gives me the promise. And the promise is in Christ because it's for his glory, it's for his name's sake. So he says, he doesn't take it from me. God doesn't fall out with you as soon as you just haven't been up to scratch, you know doesn't fall out with you. He doesn't love you less because maybe you haven't been the best that you could be or what you used to be. But rather he sets his love on you from eternity and in time he calls you and it's a promise that he gives to you. So maybe you're thinking, I can't, but I know it's in here and God's calling me to it then he will equip you in it. He'll bring you through it. And the promise, with the promise comes provision. So he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according or the dominance, according to the promise of life, the dominance of the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. He writes to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. There was a lot of trouble in uh, the early church. A lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of danger. Maybe Timothy is thinking of wavering. Some say he's maybe 22 years of age around that age. And Paul's saying to him, listen, Timothy, God has called you, son. God has placed faith in you. God's promise is with you. He says that to you tonight. He says it to me. No matter how low we feel or how we're thinking, even as we have already heard this evening, it is here am I. Trust me. You're mine, he says. I have known you from before the foundation of the world. I have loved you from then, and I always will. My promise brings the provision. My promise brings the provision to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience. Notice here is the religion. Here is the ritual. Paul's looking back to the temple worship. Paul's looking back to the slaying of animals. Paul's looking back to under the feet of Gamaliel, and he learned many good things. And he even looks back into Israelitish worship, and as he's looking down through time, he says, I was in their religion. But now he changes, he says, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. 
The idea here is, he says, I've went from religion and ritual to relationship and revelation. To relationship and revelation. And there's so many people, and they're good, lovely people, and people who have come from all walks of life and even saved people, and they still haven't found the place of relationship with Christ. And they haven't found the place of revelation. Of revelation. God wants to give you more. God wants to show you more. God wants to reveal more to you. He says, okay, here you are. He wants to bring you from a format. Listen, my, my daughter was away for a few days with a friend's parents. And on Sunday they went to a church. I know where it was and what it was, and I don't need to say. But when I, I went to pick her up, and I had her in the car today, and even she realized, she says, Daddy, and her words were, the people were standing like pencils. I don't know why she thought like pencils. Straight up and down, maybe, I don't know. Pointy heads, I don't know. But they were standing like pencils. Just they sang some songs, she says, but there was nothing there. A young teenage girl was able to know. I says, what do you think? She says, because, she says, are you not meant to worship? I said, yes. She says, is it not meant to be different from the heart? She says, Daddy, is, is the Lord not meant to be there? A young girl. I says, yes, love. I says, but you know the difference. You've grown up with the difference. You've received the Lord and you've grown up with the difference knowing that. And God shows you more and more and more. And brothers and sisters, we're all growing up into God, growing up into Christ. And Paul says, Timothy, listen. He says, listen, there's so much more, so much more revelation in God, and he wants to bring you further into him that you will know him. Timothy's maybe under pressure here, and Paul's saying, listen, don't you be turning back. Don't you be letting things worry you but rather lay hold and watch what God will do. Lay hold and watch what God will do. He says in verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, now Paul starts to dig deeper. He starts to dig deeper. The unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first with thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, or Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Paul's starting to say, listen, Timothy, you had a godly upbringing, and that's in you. You know the the prayer there that even Marie prayed earlier about the things that the children have learned in Sunday school or youth meeting or, and they go off into the world, you say, well, look, I know that's in you. I know it's there, he's saying. And this faith, he says, it's a, 
It's an unfeigned faith. It's not a, it's not even a wishy-washy faith. He says, there's something happened to you. And the idea here is there was some sort of godly reverence came to Timothy. Paul started to challenge him and lay hold on him. Brothers and sisters, there's, let's lay hold on something for our children and say, Lord, your word is in them. Your word's been spoken to them and over them. And they have heard and they know and we're laying hold on this. Lord, that you will start to dig deep. That you would start to draw it out of them. Notice what he says. I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands. Notice what Paul's saying here. He says, there's a gift in you. God has given you a gift of grace for you. Your gift might not be exactly the same as mine. And mine might not be exactly the same as yours. And yours may not be exactly the same as the next person. But God graces you with it and he gives it to you. Paul says, I laid my hands on you and imparted this gift and God gave it to you. He says, Timothy, don't let it lie dormant. Don't let man tell you you're too young. That's why he says, let no man despise your youth to Timothy. Because he's a young man. Don't let them tell you you're too young. And listen, brothers and sisters, don't let them tell you you're too old or you're too female or too male either. Don't let them tell you any of it. God places it in you. Listen, by the will of God. By the will of God. It's not by the will of man. It's not by the will of pastor. It's not by the will of preacher. It's by the will of God. And if that gift is within you, then he has given it to you. But sometimes we allow it to be buried and die. Stir it up. The idea here to stir up. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Notice this. First of all, in verse 1 we have the will of God. Now we have in verse 6 the gift of God. The will of God, the gift of God. There it is. God's will to gift you. God's will to grace you. God's will to give to you. And the idea here of the gift of God, it gives the idea uh, of a fire burning. It gives, gives the idea where Paul is saying, listen, keep blazing for God. And you know if you light a fire and the fire goes out because you haven't attended it. The fire dies. But when you start attending the fire and you keep it lit, it's so much easier to keep it lit than try and get it relit. And here sometimes there's a smoldering amber, there's a smoking flax. But God breathes on it when you're like that. He breathes on it. He doesn't extinguish it. He doesn't put it out. He says, I have given you this and I've given you this for you to glorify me. Not to lie dormant. And so he's saying, keep blazing. Keep the fire burning. The, the, the priests in the temple, 
God lit the fire at this beginning when there was a sacrifice on it. They got the altar ready. The fire came down. God lit it. And God says, when I light it, you keep it lit. You keep it lit. And so they had to keep the fire lit. They shoveled out the ash every day. And the fire kept burning and they made sure it was was one of their jobs. They had to keep it lit. God says, I'm going to start it and light it. You keep it lit. Paul saying, Timothy, God has started something in you. You keep it lit. It's your gift. He's given it to you. Use it. Exercise it. Trust him and walk in it. Keep blazing for God. It means kindle afresh to keep in full force the fire of God in you. And listen to what he says in verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. God hath not given us the spirit of timidity, is one of the words. Timothy, why are you allowing people to put you down, son? Let's put it to ourselves and let the Lord speak to you and to me. Why are you letting people put you down, daughter? Why are you letting people to put you down, son? Why are you allowing people's ideas of who you should be rule your heart, cause you to be fearful and timid that your gift has been extinguished? Who is it that's not the most encouraging to you and your land, them or that, to wear you down? Do you not realize it's by my will you can do these things? It's my calling. It's my promise of this life through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, do you not realize that in this, that's why you can do it? Here's a man to tell you. Here's a man, to, a woman to bring you down. Who, what does their opinion matter when you're serving Christ from your heart? Enough to cause you to crumble in fear. To be timid that you're afraid to speak out, that you're afraid to stir up the gift. Timid, anxious, worried of what others may say. And he says, listen, I want you to be as bold as a lion. You're righteous, and the righteous are as bold as a lion. You're righteous right now, declared righteous by your heavenly Father. You're justified, just as if you'd never sinned. You're clothed in a robe of righteousness. He sees you through his Son, and when he does, he's nothing but eyes of love for you. He says, all the promises I have for you, daughter, all the promises I have for you, son, are yea and are amen in him. Now you are in Christ. You're a born-again blood-washed believer. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're in Christ. And all of these things are yours. Christians are so timid. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. In other words, he's saying he's not given you a mindset to worry, a mindset of timidity to be anxious with. That's not of God. That's what he's saying. That's not of God. 
what has he given us? He's given us a spirit of power. Dynamite power. Authority in his name. Of love. Knowing that he loves me. You know, whenever I think again of, especially my two, they're, they're, they're teenagers now, as you know, and they, they don't want daddy hugging and kissing all over them. They're hard to talk to me sometimes. But see, from their no age, they couldn't have went past me and I'd have grabbed them and started hugging them and kissing them and slobbering all over them. And, and he's going, you know, their face screwed up and I just, oh, I just love to cuddle them and But I remember I used to always have them stand up beside me when I had sat on the chair and I'd have had them look at me in my eyes and I don't know how many times I'd done it. And I didn't ask them, do you love me? I didn't ask them that. No, I said, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? And they used to look and go, yes, daddy. I used to go, no, but do you know that I love you? Yes. Until they used to go, all right, dad, I know all this. All right. Because whether they were to love me, if they know that I love them, well, then you see, they know they have somebody bigger behind them. Do you know your Father loves you? Your Heavenly Father loves you. And he says, well, but do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? I know God loves me, no, but do you really? Because there's your strength. Power. Love. Sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. See that testimony of our Lord? Uh, Greek scholars sort of debate on this a little, and I think that some of them think it means. Don't be afraid to testify of the Lord. And others think it means don't be afraid to talk about his testimony of what he is and what he's done. And so you and I could be saying, you know, but Lord, if, if I was to testify of you, he says, look, don't be, don't be ashamed of me. Tell people the testimony that Christ has bore. Do you know that he died for you? Tell them about his blood, about the work on the cross. Tell them. He says, don't be ashamed. Nor of me as prisoner. That doesn't mean to say Jesus has him prisoner. It means Paul is in, is in prison because of his testifying of the Lord. That's the idea not the Christ has him prisoner. Be thou partaker of afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So we have the will of God. And then we have in verse 6, the gift of God. And how does it all happen? Through the power of God. The will of God, the gift of God, the power of God in verse 8. Now notice this who hath saved us and called us. You see, here we see salvation is of the Lord. He saved us and he called us. 
Nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. It's all of him. Every single bit of it. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in a Protestant home or a Catholic home or a Muslim home or a Jewish home or whatever home. It doesn't matter if you were red or blue or black or white. I don't know who's blue, but you know, you know whatever shade or denomination you want to say, it's nothing to do with us who we are, how rich or poor. It doesn't matter how we look. It, it all depends on his will, his gift, his grace, and his power. His power. Who hath saved us and called us. Now you notice in verse 9 you have salvation and vocation. I'm going to show you. It's salvation and vocation. The consequence of salvation is the consecration of the Christian. I'm going to say it again. The consequence of salvation is the consecration of the Christian. We're saved by grace through faith. That not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So here we have salvation and then a consecration as we live right before him. We don't get saved and live how we used to because if the Holy Spirit is in us, we cannot. Not because we are allowed not. Because he is holy, we desire not. We desire not. So here is your salvation in verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us. There's your salvation. And then your vocation is with an holy calling. Not according to our works, but according, there's that word again, according and according, according to his own purpose and grace. So let's read it again. He has saved us and called us with a holy, holy calling, not according to our works. We're not saved and called with a holy calling according to the dominance of our own works. You get what Paul's saying here? He says, listen, Timothy, you're in your weakness. You're young. Your heart's waning. He's saying, listen, you're not saved and called. You're not gifted by grace. You haven't got this because of who you are. It's not because of your works. It's because of, it's not the dominance or how much we have done to pile up our side of the scale of good works or religion or anything. He says, it's not according to the, or the domination of our, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. We are saved because of the domination of God's purpose for our lives. He's begun a good work in you, and he's going to perfect it. And so Paul's saying there's a, a domination in your life. It's his purpose. It's not yours. His purpose and his grace. His grace, his influence in our hearts to enable us to go on, to show the reflection of it in our lives. He says, and that's what dominates our lives. Yes, you fail. Yes, you get it wrong. Yes, you can't make the mark yourself. That's why God keeps us 
through his own power, according to his own purpose. He's a purpose. And listen, he is sovereign, which means we're going to make it to the end. You're going to do right through. And it's his grace that says, you've fallen, get up and go on. Get up and go on. According to his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, listen, before the world began. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what? See Jeff Proctor. See Aaron Malkin. I could go on. Steve New Pritchard. Hyde Park. Ken Daly. And before the foundation of the word, God had a purpose for you. Right before the word began. And his purpose was, it's my will for my gifting. I will call and save. My purpose will be worked out in his life, in her life. Who the knew when you walked into a mission? Who the knew when you walked into the church? Who the knew when you walked by an open air? Who the knew when somebody met you at home or wherever it was and led you to Christ? That you were only entering into what eternity had already declared in purpose. And you were entering into it in time to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinful old you. I was talking to Aaron briefly on Sunday morning after the meeting. We're just sitting over here. And we were talking about something particular and about a certain issue. And I looked at him and I says, Aaron, you and I remember what we were like before we were saved. And he went, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You never thought you'd ever be saved. No notion of it, didn't it? No. Yet God in his mercy forgave us. He says, you think even the nights you've forgotten of, you didn't know what to get up to? Yet away in eternity, he saw you, he saw me. And he says, I love him. I love her. I'm setting my love upon them. My will for them. Salvation. Calling. Gifting. Sending forth in purpose. Promise with providence. That's who you are in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. In the last verse. But now, before the word began, but now, look, before the word began, but now, all of this happened before the word began, but now, he says, made manifest by the appearing, isn't that lovely, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's all this in eternity. And all this time happens from creation. 
and Adam and Eve and Cain killing Abel and Seth and so on and so on and so on and, and all the sacrifice, the ritual and the religion and the, uh, the tabernacle and Israel and the temple and then the splitting of the kingdoms and God sending forth prophets to them and, and the, the dispersion and all of this stuff and the hopelessness of them all and the hopeless of every man and woman. Time comes. John the Baptist cries, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, at hand. And then one day he says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And three and a half years later, Jesus hangs, dies on the cross. The appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. Hi the gospel through the gospel brother sister no matter what you think of yourself we should be walking in vocation of holiness absolutely but listen see while you're in your human frame Paul says there's no good thing that dwelleth in me that is in my flesh he said because he knew it was the Holy Ghost who dwelt in him. The indwelling spirit is in you, it was in me. Let the spirit take over the flesh. Let the old man and woman die and say, Lord, I'm in your will. And I didn't even know it. I'm gifted by you. And I didn't even recognize it. Help me to stir it up. Send me forth in your providence. Send me forth according to your promise and keep me by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel, the word of God, the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.